for that price, you're flying business class for cheaper than the person flying economy. That's how cheap it is. Welcome to Inspired by Success, the podcast where I deep dive into the mindset of successful entrepreneurs, CEOs, and thought leaders. Get ready to be inspired and gain valuable insights to unlock your true potential. Hi guys, welcome to Inspired by Success. I'm your host, Linda Vo, and today we're joined by a real visionary, Steve Huey, also known as the Points Whisperer. Steve isn't just the founder of iFlyFlat, which is the company helping you earn and utilize points to fly business class at the best rates. He's also an experienced entrepreneur who's excelled in finance, travel, and also mentoring. And today he's here to talk about his journey, strategies for growth, and give us some useful tips to take advantage of the point system. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. So tell me, your journey is quite captivating. Could you share how you began your career and what inspired you to create iFlyFlat? Oh, well, I'm an accountant at heart. So numbers, I did a Bachelor of Commerce at the University of New South Wales. I did accounting and then I did my CPA and then I got a job as an accountant. I was an accountant for probably 15, 16 years or so. And during that time, I actually then got a job at Macquarie Bank. And during that time, I started flying business class because they sent me to India to run this outsourcing team to grow it. And I started flying business class from Sydney to New Delhi on Singapore Airlines and other airlines. I started getting all these frequent flying points. And then very soon enough, I had enough frequent flying points to get a flight. And that's when the interest for me got started because I basically scored a flight for free. I actually scored a business class flight for free. I have never paid for a business class flight before. And then I thought, well, actually, if I could get this for free, how do I get more frequent flying points? Because that was the secret. If I could get more frequent flyer points, then I can get more free business class flights. And that was when sort of like the pin dropped and it's like, hey, I can do something about this. And so that's the first idea that came to my head. And have you used that first business class flight that you won for free, basically? Oh, yeah, I've done that. And I've done basically ever since then, I've never paid for business class ticket ever. Wow. So that's what sparked your interest in entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think like in terms of entrepreneurship, it's just really just someone solving a problem and charging a fee for it. That's literally in my mind. It is. It's no special craft in it. It's just if you're like, well, you've got a special skill that helps people and your customers get more value from you and you can charge a fee, then everyone wins. Exactly right. And you've experienced like a significant growth. Can you highlight a strategy that helped with your success? Yeah, I think it's just literally just piece by piece. I guess what happened is actually not long ago when I moved house, I found some old notepads and I was looking through them and go, oh, well, there's a lot of information here. I looked at some of the pricing I had originally planned for. And I do remember when I wrote the plan and I was sitting in a cafe and I was going, yeah, let's just charge $50 per booking. You know, we get X number of bookings. So when you start a business, you have all these plans and, you know, it seems very easy to get a customer. Go, oh, yeah, $50 per booking, you know, get a thousand customers. You know, all the numbers stack up. And then when you start doing it, well, getting 1,000 customers is very hard when you start doing it and we actually serve customers. And then on the other side is that then you go, well, I can't just charge $50 because it takes a hell of a lot of work and time. So then basically what happens is your price goes up and the number of customers come down until you find this equilibrium that you can actually service these customers for the quality that you want, but you get the money that you need to do the service. And then eventually you find your place. So I guess with any new venture, any new service or product, you always have grand plans because the numbers stack up. But when you actually implement it, you have then had to fine tune to the level that it works. And also have like a plan B and stuff like that, multiple different plans, just in case it doesn't work, right? Yeah, I think you're always continuously changing plans. So whatever plan you had will never be the plan three months later. 
because you're always continuously shifting, always shifting. So I don't sort of see it as plan A, B, and Z. If I was counting, it would be like multiple digit alpha numeric combinations because every time you make a change or something, it's not a new plan, it's just a slight shift in the path. And how did you acquire your first customers? Like, how did you grow at Base Cities today? Networking. Networking is what's my main pathway is like just going to networking groups and like i guess with things like meetup or uh, eventbrite and sort of like you've got local chambers and things like there's all these meetups on all the time so i guess one of the tips is that you literally have to take your id and tell other people and tell them this is what you're offering this is a service this is a fee this is what you're doing so then you get feedback you get feedback on two ways you get feedback when people ask you questions what is this that you're offering you get feedback in people ask you questions why would i pay you to do it why can't i do it myself and then you get feedback in how you explain your idea are you explaining in a way that people actually understand what you're trying to do or are you confusing them so therefore it's literally like the rubber hits the road because when you start telling people strangers about your service and your idea and your fees and your things that's when you get great feedback because you might be offering something that people just go well just do it myself why will i pay you until you get to the point where you realize people go oh yes i see why i can't do it myself and then you've got a product every entrepreneur has challenges in business so can you explain tell us a big obstacle that you faced when you were building iFi flat and how you used it to grow yeah, I think for me, pricing was probably the one I can think of. Like I said before, start up with $50 and at the time $50 seemed right, but then you realize that's a hell of a lot of work. And in, in terms of your hourly rate for the job that I was from before, it was basically I was working for cheaper than McDonald's, right? People were talking about McDonald's all the time. So pricing, so it's about having the courage to price your service at the right amount that you can be happy to take customers. So the way I think of it is there's always going to be a fine balance between how many customers you can have and how many you can service. So obviously you want more customers, but there's only going to be so much service you can do whether you're an individual or whether you have a team. There's a fine number of how many people that you can actually look after comfortably without starting off like a bad service. So once you sort of get that feel, then that's mainly the key. You just got to find that right balance. But for me, pricing. So every time as a business owner, every time you increase your price, two things go through your mind. Your current customers won't like it and they'll leave. And the new customers will think, oh, what the hell? But what I've learned every time I've increased my price, my current customers don't leave and the new customers have just paid a new price because once you've worked out the value that you deliver and the value that you deliver is multiple times your fee then your customers are still winning as long as your customers are still winning they'll stay with you did you start this company while you were working in the banking industry or did you wait until you earned enough where you could quit like were you doing it on the side or did you go all in no, I actually have a very unique scenario where I actually got a redundancy from my previous job. So I took a voluntary redundancy. I've been there for 11 years and I took six months off. And then this idea came during that six months. So I had to, I guess, the benefit of being completely, had no restrictions. When you don't have a job, you don't have emails coming to you. So basically it gave me a clear mind to think about, actually, what am I good at? And what do I like to do? You know, the whole saying that if you love what you're doing, then you never work another day in your life. I had that in my mind. I thought, well, what can I do? If I can just do what I really enjoy the best and able to charge money for it, then you actually then become even better because you're spending more time on it than anyone else in the world would be. So therefore, then you end up offering a better service because you've become expert at it. And that's really how this job came about. I basically created a job for myself and now for other people 
in my team because I just thought, well, I think I like it. Let's test it and see if other people pay for it. That's awesome. Your passion shows too because <laughs> you're passionate about it and people are willing to <laughs> try it out too. So let's talk about innovation. Now, innovation is crucial in today's rapidly evolving landscape. How do you always find new hidden opportunities in your industry to stay ahead of others? Yeah, I think of innovation as two things. One is internal. What can you do to make your admin processes easier? So with every company, we're a very small company, I imagine in a bigger company, there's lots of wastage. There's lots of work being done that where the output's not being used, or there's a lot of work being done, which is the long way around. So there's all this stuff that's just chewing up expenses, but you need them because you don't have time to do them all. So therefore, there's going to be always an element of wastage that goes with when you're employing people or when you're setting up a system. And when I look at innovation, I look at things that what can we do to make our own internal function better? Because that's hidden from the public, but it's still costing money and energy and frustration. So I looked at that first before I looked for any innovation that's customer facing. Because most of the time, the customer is not looking for innovation. They're just looking for the job to be done. And if you can help your own internal processes run smoother, then that means the customer gets what they want faster. So that's how I look at innovation. Internal first, because that's where you're going to get the most benefit. Then external, if it's going to be something that's really reliable for them and that you can upkeep. Like I'm guessing it's always ongoing improvement learning in a way. Yeah, there's always new software coming out. In my mind, I think there's software for every single item. It's just that you probably have not discovered it yet. So in your LinkedIn post, you discuss embracing failures. Can you share a time where you had a major setback that turned out to be a stepping stone towards your success? I really subscribe to the idea that every learning is an opportunity to fix something, whether it's in your process or in your thinking. So I guess what I'm thinking to answer this question is when you're in business or when you're doing something, you do it for the best intentions. So you have a customer come in and for example, they might request a flight and you found it and then they've changed their mind. They've changed their mind because they're not going. They change their mind because they don't like the fees. So whatever reason, and you're thinking, oh, what? But I've delivered on my part of the bargain. Like if you had these issues before, then why didn't you tell me? I've done all this work. I got you what you wanted. But then now you're saying, oh, no, no, I don't want to anymore. So it's about how to overcome that on a mental issue. So mentally, you feel like you've been ripped off. You feel like you've been tricked because you would otherwise not have did that work if you knew that other person were not really interested. But they just let you go on and continue to do stuff when in fact, no, we're not going to go forward with it. So I guess that in my mind is a learning that it happens in business because people sometimes they change their mind deliberately or they change their mind accidentally. And you just got to accept that it just happens. So I guess in that learning, I'm thinking that, well, one is mentally you feel like you've been ripped off. You've done your part and they don't fulfill their part. But other part, you just go, well, things happen. You just deal with it as best you can and then just move on and you help the next customer. It should not impact your service levels to the next customer because the next customer is not the same. So I guess that's an example of that. So therefore, it's not like the world's against you. It just happens to be that scenario didn't work out. And you put in some processes to reduce that reoccurring. So what we've done is we got people to confirm that they are ready to fly and that they're not just thinking about it, that if you found flights that we booked them, such that therefore people don't think that you're just like a free service and then you can go around and just do work for free. It's about sending that expectation. Maybe make them prepay half of it beforehand. <laughs> yeah, so you just have all these different methods to get them committed. That's good. That would be a bit of an emotional setback, but I guess you've got a growth mindset and the ability to move on and be 
resilient. That's great. Next one, building a strong online presence is essential in today's digital landscape. How have you leveraged social media and online platforms to expand your reach and connect with your audience? For me, LinkedIn. Actually, we're connected through LinkedIn and that's how we're doing this interview now. I really do like LinkedIn because it's full of professionals. Although like Facebook and Twitter are also full of professionals, they also could be hidden behind fake names, whereas LinkedIn, all real people. And I believe that when you're a real person, you're showing up and representing yourself, then chances are your behavior is much better. That's what I found throughout the whole 10 years. I focus my energies on LinkedIn in growing my connections. I've got 30,000 connections on LinkedIn, which is actually the maximum number. You can't have more than 30,000 connections. So I literally just focus on how do we just share what I do on LinkedIn, if people resonate. So it's a bit like what Seth Godin talks about, like now your tribe, you just attract your tribe. You don't want everyone in the world to be your customer, obviously like what you're doing. All you need to do is the people that want to be your customer, that you serve them and you make sure that they get the best, most experience or the best information and everyone else well there's so many people in the world there's lots of information out there they can help themselves now tell me balancing work and life is definitely an ongoing struggle and you mentioned before that you're doing something that you love and you're passionate about sometimes it doesn't feel like work but how do you ensure your company's success and your personal well-being coach successfully so do you believe in having a good work-life balance or what are your thoughts on that Mm, as a business owner it's very hard to have the work-life balance because it's just all intermingles through all your time so whether it's weekdays or weekends something needs to be done they need to be done because otherwise if you wait and do it later then it just doesn't the whole idea is that you want to just keep the wheel spinning you don't want to be the reason why the cogs have stopped it is very difficult to draw a line i don't think any business owner got it right but what's right or wrong anyway because if you're have a way that you work and you're happy to do it and it's not impacting your family time or your spouse is not being annoyed, or your friend's not being annoyed, then it works for you. So there's no such thing as an arbitrary time or date. You are in control in your life and the work flows back and forth. So I guess for me, we deal in travel. So I travel a lot as well, but I work during that time. I also have leisure during that time. So it's a mixed bag. So I take the pros with the cons. It's a little bit different for everyone. I guess everyone will say that, but not to be too hard on yourself because now you're your own boss you can determine your working hours. Have you ever experienced any burnout though? Sometimes, yeah, if you have a long day, you feel like, oh, you just feel like lack of energy where there's endless amounts of things to do. You can sit on your desk and your computer all day or night, but sometimes you're just gonna go, well, actually, let's just draw an end to this because any more stuff you do tonight, it's not gonna be that fast or that efficient anyway. You can probably do it tomorrow morning and be done it heaps faster. So it's about recognizing that more time spent doing something could be a waste of time because you do it tomorrow fresh and we've done it jiffy. So looking back on your journey with iFlight, is there a moment of accomplishment that you were particularly really proud of and how has that shaped your vision for the company's future? I feel like every single flight that we book for our customers is a proud moment because we've enabled them to do something that they couldn't do. So for example, people come to us, so we have two services. One is points flight concierge, where we book points flights, like points redemption flights for customers who have points. And they come to us because they don't know how to do it or they don't know how to find flights or search or how the whole system works. Like it's quite complicated. So like every time we book a flight, we basically enable them to fly business class where otherwise they probably will have to fly economy or they might have to pay like 10 or $15,000 to buy a business class ticket. So we've provided an avenue for them to fly business class without costing too much money. 
In most cases, our customers probably won't fly if we're not successful. So that's why I feel that is a proud moment because we've enabled that trip. We've enabled them to go wherever they wanted to go in comfort in business class and do whatever they wanted to do. So whether it's a trip to a wedding or like a business conference or maybe just a couple getting away, that trip, it means so much. There's so much done for that trip that if they didn't have that trip, they'll be poorer from it. So that's how I feel my job is. I've enriched their life by enabling that trip. Can you share some tips on how we can all benefit from all the our points? And if we haven't even used, I've got points for my business, but that's with my Amex, but definitely accruing a lot of interest for it. However, using Amex for my ads, I guess I've got a lot of points from that. Oh, yeah. Can you share any other tips or tricks that a business owner would be able to utilize their card, the credit cards to get the best out of their point system? Oh yeah, for sure. Actually, your business will be prime because you will spend a lot of money on marketing and there's no surcharge. So therefore, you effectively acquire those points at no cost. But the general idea, actually, there's four principles. Using points is the cheapest way to fly. And that's an absolute, it's not subjective. It's absolute because when you use points to book a points ticket, the only thing you have to pay for is the taxes. So different airlines charge different taxes to fly. But here's an example. You can use your points to fly business class return to Europe on Singapore Airlines for $650. If you had the points, you could do this actually, because you do have the points. So if you use your points to book a business class return to Europe on Singapore Airlines, you only have to pay $650 and that's it. That's a return business class ticket. That is like less than half the price of an economy ticket in most cases. Do you have to have a number of points though for that? Yeah, it's about 300,000 points. So for most business owners, they are in the box seat to earn lots of points because you got business expenses. So roughly every single dollar you pay on business expenses, you can earn one point. So I guess the idea is that every $300,000 that you spend paying bills, marketing, ATO, rent, or supplies that you can pay for your car, you earn one point. And then that $300,000 equals 300,000 points. And then that can get your return business class flight to four like peanuts. And then the whole idea can be applied to basically every single destination, every single flight in the world. So therefore, that if you're in a position to earn points because you've got business spend, you've actually got like a point generating machine you basically just turn it on and the points just keep generating as long as you keep flying. For that price, you're flying business class for cheaper than a person flying economy. That's how cheap it is. I might have to look into getting, <laughs> going to the, my points and seeing how many I've got left. I have used some of the points to go flying domestic, but yes, I'd actually think about using it for international. So I'll have to look into that one. Yeah, once you figure out the numbers, you'll be shocked. You'll be like, why hasn't anyone told me? I'm telling you now, it's so cheap to fly on points. Yeah. You think we should gather more credit cards and pay for expenses with credit cards in order to do that. Is it worth it? You know what I mean? You have to do a plan because otherwise you don't know what you're doing. A couple of things that people need to know is number one is how many points they've got because if you don't know how many points you've got then nothing matters. And the number two is how many points do you need to fly from A to B. That's exactly like say you're running a business, you're buying supplies. So if you, you're buying cards, well if you don't know how much that card's going to cost then how do you know how many you can afford? Very similar principle except the problem is most people don't know how many points it costs to fly from A to B, and they also don't know how many points they've got. So therefore now you've got two random things in the air. So therefore then people don't get the benefit. It literally is as simple as that. That's where you guys come in. <laughs> yeah, we optimize it. We help you work out how many points can you earn at what price, and then how many flights can you fly and where. And then when you put the two together, then you'll be like, I don't know how many points you've got. You potentially could have 10 return flights to Europe sitting in your pocket now, but you probably don't know. 
have to go have a look at all my points. Now, looking ahead, what exciting projects or directions do you have for iFlyFlat? What's in the pipeline? Interestingly, after 11 years of business, we still have fundamentally the same things. We offer points flight bookings, and then we offer consulting for small business owners on how to earn points. So we focus on companies with $2 million plus turnover because if you have big turnover, the chances are you've got big expenses as well. We've always done just those two things, like separate service. If you've got points, come, we'll book for you. And then if you want to earn points, then we'll give you advice. The next step is we're actually going to create this thing called an iFly Flat Flights Club, which is a membership-based offering. We can charge $5,000 a year. And what that does is it sets you up so you can basically fly half price business class for the rest of your business owner life because you have to have the ability to earn points. And what I've found is 10 years into the business is all my customers are business owners for life. I hardly met anyone who was a business owner and then they go work for someone. They always have a business after business after business. Literally from that idea is that as long as you become a business owner and you maintain a business owner, then you have this mechanism that continuously pay bills and earn points, which means that you basically can fly business class for half price for the rest of your life. And then that's what the future for me is, providing an end-to-end service. Advice and bookings, advice and bookings. And maybe you never fly economy again. That's the idea. Once you go business class, you don't want to go back. Yes, that's right. And once you fly first class, you definitely don't want to go back. I'd love to fly first class one day. It'd be great. It's such an experience. Have you flown first class before? always fly first class if I can because once again when you're flying on points it's not very expensive and I think that's one thing to make note of cash price versus points price are two completely separate systems so cash price might be $19,000 to fly first class to Europe but points price is like less than half a million points it's actually so much easier to get half a million points than to earn $19,000 for the same ticket I'm sure that your consulting advice would be very valuable it pays for yourself (laughs) after one flight (laughs) Now, with your experience in various organizations, you've been in finance as well, and you're an entrepreneur. What's your one piece of advice you give to aspiring entrepreneurs who are just starting to build their own path and want to start? I say that what you start with is not going to be what you end with because what you start with is just an idea that you've talked amongst in your head many, many times. And then the magic happens when you start telling other people because then they will ask you questions. They'll probe you. Then the next stage comes is when you actually start selling the service and someone pays you for it. And what they pay you for may not be what you're actually selling. And what I mean by that is the benefits and the features that you're selling might not be what they're actually paying for. They're paying you to give them something else that you have not realized yet. But your service still offers what they want. It's just that it might not be what you thought they bought it for. So over time, you'll discover what is it that they actually engaging you for and then your business gets better because then you start pushing the right buttons so that's what i mean by what you start with is not what you're going to end with because what you start with was just an idea in your head and what you end with is actually what someone's actually paying you for and that's what the business is when someone's actually paying you for your service or your product. So as long as you're always listening to the feedback from the market and pivoting, I suppose. Yeah, because you don't, then you can have less customers. In terms of your sources of inspiration, do you have any books or mentors that have contributed to your success and your mindset and growth? Yeah, I listen to a lot of audio books. I have an audio book subscription, which basically listen to books on a monthly basis. But I do like Gary Vee. I like his content. I like his emotion. I listen to him whenever I have a spare moment on a computer. 
play the podcast because there's always just a different perspective that he gives. So I love listening to him. I think like Rich Dad, Poor Dad was my very, very first inspiration many, many years back. There's one thing I remember from that was that, have you read that book? Mm-hmm. One of my first love oh. <laughs> Totally changed my mindset. The one thing I remember for that book was that when they got him over to be on TV or something and he requested, oh, can I have a limo? And they gave him a limo and then he realized, oh, wow, how could that be? I was just said as a joke. So that gave me an idea that actually there is, you literally can do anything as long as you know, the value proposition stacks up, that you're providing more value than what you're getting. I listen to a lot of books. I read a lot of books about pricing, about sort of customer service. There's all these things that you can learn from books. Yeah, I'm definitely a huge book fan as well. So many different inspiring people like the me, Homozies and um, Patrick Bet David is pretty good too. He provides great value. I follow Gary Vee as well. There's so many different other podcasts that I love listening to, such as The Wealthy Way, talk about business and um, people that inspire me as well. So now I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time and sharing your incredible journey and insights with us today. Before we wrap this up, where can our audiences find you? So the best way to find me is on my website, iflyflat.com.au. Uh, also on LinkedIn, always on LinkedIn. So under Steve Huey, so name's H-G-I. Also on Instagram, I Fly Flat. I'm actually uh, in the middle of writing a book, actually, about how to use points to fly a business class forever. So watch out for that. That'll be out in the next couple of months. Nice. We'll look out for it. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and all the best with your journey and your success as well. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, I love talking about the journey and hopefully inspire people to uh, think about things differently.